grab some scripts off the internet, maybe some uh, monologues of a character, and then do an audio recording where you try to read that monologue with the emotion that it's calling for, and then listen to it back. guys y'all are in for a treat today on the podcast we have a voice actor slash voiceover artist screen actor singer director all wrapped up into one person he's known for doing the english dub of many iconic anime characters including broly from dragon ball z edward elric and full metal alchemist along with dozens if not hundreds more he directed and starred in the web series star trek continues as captain james t kirk which i'm currently halfway through the second episode of I'm here with the one, the only Vic Mignogna. Vic, I'm so excited to be talking with you today. Thank I am you so here. Much. I am here with the one and only Jameson. <laughs> and that's all I'm excited about. That's really all awesome. I care about. I'm so glad you agreed to do this. Oh, it was fun opening to you. Man. You know, when you got when you told me about this uh, idea and what you're doing, I thought, wow, what a great thing to do for people. And uh, I'm honored to be a part of it. Thank you. Good. Well, uh, you'll be in the first batch once these all uh, go and be released. I think you'll be in that first batch of them. So super excited. First batch. That's right. All right. So let's dive in. Um, You've got a long list of jobs. You've had quite the career. I think we're going to focus mostly on the voice acting side of things. Okay. Otherwise, we'd be talking on hour for hours on end. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah, we'll lose half your audience be like, this is boring. Uh, Or and and then the other half would love it, though. So it would, (laughs) you know, maybe create some diehard fans as well. Let's just kick off with your origin story, man. How'd you get involved in voice acting? Well, you know, Jameson, I've been acting since I was very young. And I credit Star Trek with that. You mentioned that already. Um, when I was about nine, 10 years old, I fell in love with the original series of Star Trek. I watched it every day coming home from school. I, and I wanted to do what they were doing. I wanted to play characters in a story that moved people and uh, had a theme and had a, a statement to make or an emotion to communicate. And so consequently, I went back to school at this point, you know, grade school and auditioned for school plays because I wanted to do what William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy and those guys were doing in Star Trek. So you could say that Star Trek kind of uh, got me started acting, filmmaking, uh, building props, sets, all of that kind of thing started with Star Trek. Then I I continued doing uh, any kind of acting on camera, stage, musicals, theater, whatever. And then About 20 some years ago, I was living in Houston, Texas, and I was working on a video production with a friend of mine. And this friend said to me, hey, you've got a lot of acting experience, don't you? And I said, yeah, I've been doing that a while. And he said, you should go and audition for this place in town. They they buy these Japanese animated shows and they dub them into English and they're looking for actors. Now, when I was a kid, not only was there Star Trek, but there was this show called Speed Racer. And I loved Speed Racer. And it was weird. It was different. It didn't sound like Scooby-Doo. It didn't look like Bugs Bunny, but I really liked it. And I didn't know why it was different. I just liked it because it was unique. Come to find out after the fact, it was anime from Japan. So when this guy mentioned that to me, I'm like, 
you're kidding. There's a place in Houston that does that. So I went and auditioned. It was a tiny little studio in a little office park with three or four guys there that uh, loved anime. And uh, I got cast as Vega in Street Fighter 2. And uh, I did the recording and it was weird because trust me, there's nothing that can quite prepare you to hear your voice coming out of an animated character's mouth. <laughs> so it was a little strange, but it was fun. And I figured it was just kind of a really fun, one-time, random thing I would get to do. A few weeks later, they called me back and said, hey, we have this other show called Neon Genesis Evangelion. Would you like to come and play a role in that? And I'm like, sure. And then uh, another show and another show and another show and another and another and another. And then I started meeting people from other studios in Dallas, in New York, in L.A., and it just kind of snowballed from there. And so here we are 20 some years later and 400 plus different animated series and video games. And I got to tell you, I never in a billion years imagined that I would get to do what I've gotten to do. And I'm always very careful to thank God for it because I didn't plan it. There are plenty of actors that go out there and they beat the pavement. They send out demos and they audition, 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 and they move to L.A. or they, you know, they they completely focus all of their energy on getting into an industry. And I am so humbled to say that, you know, a door opened. I walked through having no idea what was on the other side of it. And uh, and God has been very good to me in allowing me to do what I've been able to do for the last 20 some years. I love that, Vic. That's awesome. I love that you approach it with such humility and gratitude. And uh, because it is, it is a unique experience to get to do that. And very, it's very, very, it's refreshing to hear that from somebody who's not just, Oh yeah, you know, I worked my butt off and that's why I'm here. And obviously you put in hard work. You said at the beginning, you had been acting your whole life. So you came in with some level of preparation, even though the voice acting was new, you had been acting for a while. So, yes. but it's just nice to hear that that's- And I always, and I always just acted for fun, Jameson. Yeah. I, I never, I never had any illusion of being a star or moving to, you know what? I'll tell you something. When I graduated from college, I was one of the main actors at the college I went to. I, I played lead roles and, and in a lot of the, uh, the school productions, musicals. I sang a lot. I performed music a lot on campus. And as I was graduating my final year, friends of mine would say, so, hey, Vic, are you going to move to like Broadway? Are you going to move to New York and, and get into Broadway? And I'm like, no. And then other people would say, hey, are you going to like move to LA and like get into the acting business? We're going to see you on the silver screen. I'm like, no, because I was under no illusion that just moving somewhere and auditioning or whatever was going to equate to a career. Yep. Unfortunately, the creative arts are very unique. There are some jobs, and this fits in perfectly with, yep. with this whole podcast theme. There are some jobs that A plus B equals C. Yes. You want to learn plumbing, you go to school to learn plumbing, you get a job as a plumber. You want to be a flight attendant, you train to be a flight attendant, you get hired to be a flight attendant. But there are other jobs, creative jobs, singing, acting, dancing, art, music. There's not an equation. 
You can't just train to be an actor and then you go and, and get hired to be an actor and you become famous, blah, blah, blah. It just doesn't work like that. Right. In fact, as I'm sure we'll get into more, acting, singing, dancing, all of the creative fields are much more about being in the right place at the right time, having developed the requisite skills necessary, because as I've often said, someone you know or luck may get you in the door. Being in the right place at the right time might get you in the door, but what you know and what you've studied will keep you in the room. That's good. I like it. You know what I mean? That's like, a perfect like, quote. Sums it up perfectly. Exactly. Who you know may get you in the door, but what you know will keep you in the room. So um, voice acting and acting in general and music and making a living doing creative things is an incredible gift. And there's a flip side to it. It's incredibly unpredictable. You know, you can't, you can't bank on the fact that you're going to get a paycheck every two weeks and you can't budget based on, I'm going to make this much a month and you can't do that. So there, there it's is much a, more like being self-employed because really you are, you, it is you self-employed. Yeah. yeah. And it's, and it's, uh, it's got its uh, scary side, but the trade-off is you get to do things you really love. Um, I would be acting still, whether or not I was ever paid to do it. I was doing that for 35 years before I got paid to voice act. I just loved acting. I've been writing and producing music since I was 17. And it wasn't because anyone paid me to do it. It was because I loved it. Um, I often tell fans of mine, uh, I'll, I'll be doing a convention and I'll be doing a Q&A session with a bunch of fans. And I will say to them, how many of you draw? And like 80% of the people in the room's hands go up. And then I'll say, okay, put your hands down. Now, how many of you only draw when you get paid to draw and nobody's hands go up. And that's my point. The point is when it comes to creative things, you do it because you have to. You do it because there's a passion in you that has to get out. It's part of it who you are. It doesn't matter whether you're going to be famous. It doesn't matter whether you're even going to be paid. You do it because it's an expression of who you are. I've been singing and acting since I was little because I loved it. And I'm just very grateful to God that I actually got some opportunities over the last several decades to, to make a living at it as well. Yeah. Well, that was a great answer. You tied in uh, several different questions. So I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. Sorry. Um, no, it's perfect. You, I didn't even, it's, it's so good Vic, because I didn't even have to ask the question. I, I just was able to give you a prompt and you, you knew what to do with it. So it was perfect. Okay. Good. I'll, I'll keep trying to do my best for you. Good. Um, so if you would just like paint a picture for me of what it really feels like to be working on a project, like what's the schedule? Is it long hours? Is it spot work here and there? Is it lots of people involved? Are you alone in a room by yourself? Like paint yeah, that, that picture right. for me. Absolutely. Um, if you were dub, if you were dubbing anime in Japan, if I were a Japanese voice actor, then I would, I would get cast in a role and I would go into a studio with five or six or seven or 10 other actors. And in that studio, there would be a row of microphones and there would be two or three actors behind each microphone and they would take turns stepping up and doing their line. And then they'd step back and somebody would step in and do their line. Interesting. Because the animation was not done yet. That's what we call in the business prelay. Prelay. That's where you lay down the audio tracks before there's any animation. And in all Western animation, that's what you have. Whether it's Simpsons, Family Guy, Rick and Morty, like whatever. 
the actors get together in a studio all at the same time and they basically perform the scene in front of microphones. And then the director will choose the takes he likes and the scenes he likes, and he will send them off to the animators who will then draw the characters based on the voice actor's performance. Dubbing anime into another language is completely the opposite. Because the animation is already done, and because there are very strict confines of mouth movements, pauses, and quick movement, and then pause, and then a little one, and then some more. Not only do you have to perform the lines authentically and believably as an actor, but you have to, mal- you have to match the mouth movements and the bodily movements of the animation, which is already done, which is really the challenge. Some people can act really good and some people can match flaps really good, but not a ton of people can do both. So that is one of the big challenges for dubbing animation that's already been uh, completed. Yeah. It's like Japanese anime. But in answer to, um, other, uh, answer to another part of your question, a day in the life would be very different. And I will tell you and all of your, all of your viewers this, there are very, very few people that make a full-time living voice actor. Voice acting is a very small niche, even when it comes to acting. And most of the voice actors I know, with a very few exceptions, aren't actors in general who are auditioning for TV shows and auditioning for commercials and auditioning for stage plays and um, trying to get work as an actor, not a voice actor, yes, an actor. So when you, when you, when you don't limit yourself to voice acting, just acting, performing, obviously there are going to be more opportunities. There are very few people I know who make any kind of a decent living voice acting because there's just not enough of the work to keep you in a full-time position. Let me give you an example. I played Edward Elric in Full Metal Alchemist. There were, there was the original Full Metal Alchemist series, which was around 56, 55, 56 episodes. And I was the main character. So there was a lot of recording to be done. Then there was Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood and there were 62 or 63 episodes and I was the main character. So those things kept me busy for maybe half a year. Now, if you're the lead in a show like One Piece that has 900 episodes, you're going to be working for a while. But here's the trick. You only work in as much as your character speaks in an episode. So for instance, if an episode of anime is a half an hour long, but you're playing a character that only has 15 lines, well, I could knock 15 lines out in 20 minutes. Yep. And then you're gone until a month later when your character comes back for another episode. There is no set, this is how much you work, this is how many days you work and how much you make. They're all variables. Different studios pay different hourly rates. They don't, you don't make royalties. Believe me, my friend, if I made royalties on Dragon Ball and Full Metal Alchemist, I would be talking to you from my gold-plated mansion. (laughs) But somebody else is making all that money. Uh, Voice actors get paid an hourly rate. Sometimes it's 30 bucks an hour, 35 bucks. Sometimes it's 60 or 70 bucks. If it's a video game, it may be even a little bit more. But all of these things are temporary. There is a finite amount of recording to be done. And when it's done, it's done. 
you know, some of these actors that have played roles like in The Simpsons and stuff that have been going for 25 and 30 seasons, that's a great gig. And prelay, you remember that term I used, prelay pays a lot more than dubbing. Interesting. Even though dubbing's harder. Um, but depending on the size of your character and the number of episodes, you know, I've been, I was playing a dozen different recurring characters in a dozen different shows, but my character might have two lines in this episode and he might have 40 in the next, but he may not even show up in the third. So you never really know. And what happens is the, the scheduler for a studio will call you and say, Jameson, this character that you're playing in this show, uh, I need you for an hour and a half. We have 55 lines and we've calculated that knowing you and your speed, it should take you about an hour and a half. And she will schedule you. You'll show up. You'll go into the, into the studio. The director is there in the control room with an engineer. And then you go into the sound booth. And usually that's it. Three people. You in a private padded box with a microphone and a television. And then on the other side of a glass window, the director and the engineer who's working the equipment. And they will put up the, the animation on the screen. You'll have a second screen with your script on it. And they'll say, okay, your first line is at line number 61. And, and you look at 61. And the engineer will set up the place in the, in the animation where that line occurs. And the director will say, okay, let's take a look at it, preview. And you're, you're reading before and after to get an idea of the context of what you're saying and why you're saying it and who you're saying it to. And you're watching the screen and you'll see, boop, boop, boop. And then your character will speak and you'll watch the mouth movements and you'll hear the Japanese and you'll look at the dialogue in English and you'll go, can I see it one more time? The director will run it again and you'll say the line with it to get a sense of the pacing and how quickly, oh, there's a little pause right there. I need to pause right before I say that last word. All right, let's go for it. And then the engineer will hit record and you'll take a shot at it. If you get it, you move on. If, you're, if you miss it, if you were a little short or you took a little too long, or maybe the director wants you to inflect it differently, or maybe he wants it to be a little louder and more intense. Maybe he wants it to be a little softer and more tender. He'll give you those directions. You'll hit it again. And when you get what the director likes, you move on. So many micro skills going on all at once. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun, but, it's, but it is also challenging. And I've, I've often said to people, the people that are really good at it, make it seem easy. They make it sound or they make it seem effortless. Mm -hmm. You know, like when you watch singers, you watch some singers and they, they're, it's so effortless. And it's like, wow, you know, it's just, look how effortless that is. Well, that is the culmination of years and years and years of practice. How do you hone those skills, Vic? Where do you start if you're not already working? If you were trying to, you know, you're alone in your room and you have the ability, you've got time and you want to hone those skills so that you can show up to your first job and be professional. Uh, well, I think what I tell most people is, the most important word in voice acting is acting. It's not voice. You may be able to make, you may, you may be able to do 15 or 20 funny little cartoon voices, but that's not what it's about. What it's about is playing a character 
and being able to take the audience through the highs and the lows of that character and the emotions and the, the anger and the pain and the fear and, and all of that. And that at its core is acting. Yes. So if you're interested in voice acting, you should train and get experience as an actor, not a voice actor, a, an actor. Because acting is basically, voice acting is basically acting in front of a microphone like this. See this? Yes. This is, I just got done recording a chapter in this audiobook, And I have this mic here and I just swing it over and I'll record, but I'll, I'll be acting the character. You just won't see me. I may be making a really mean face, but you won't know that unless it comes through in my voice. So um, acting is the first thing. Um, the second thing is, if you're interested in voice acting, how do you hone those skills? Get yourself some recording software and grab some scripts off the internet, maybe some uh, monologues of a character, and then do an audio recording where you try to read that monologue with the emotion that it's calling for, and then listen to it back. A lot of people may think they're doing a certain thing with their voice, and then when they listen to it back, they're like, oh, that is, that's not what I meant at all. That's not what I intended at all. Or, that doesn't sound like me. How many people say that when they hear recording themselves? Is that me? Is that my voice? That's me. It's almost the reason I didn't do a podcast because I don't like my the way my voice sounds and I had to just get over it. <laughs> you, know what's, you know what's really interesting, Jameson? A lot of people don't think about this, but it's really, it's, it's self-evident, but people don't think about this. No one on the planet hears your voice the way you do, yes. except you. And you know why? Because when I, when I speak to you, I am hearing my voice resonate through my head. It's resonating through my body and I can, I can feel my voice res vibrating in my head when I speak. Nobody else hears it that way. That's why when people hear themselves talk or they think they're, they're a great singer or they think they have a great voice and then they record it and they listen to it back, they're like, wow, I didn't, I, I thought I, I don't sound at all like I thought I did. So that's, that is one thing people have to get over. But if, you, if you're interested in, in voice acting or that kind of thing at all, voice, any kind of voice work, you know, there's a difference between voiceover and voice acting. I was going to ask you that question, but you're already there. Voiceover would be like uh, an announcer for a commercial. Mm -hmm. If you're suffering from hemorrhoids, call the number on your screen and ask to be connected with an associate. Okay. <laughs> that's just an announcer. You know what I mean? That's right. like a commercial, right? Sunday, Sunday sales. You know what I mean? Like there are announcer type commercial things, but then there is acting where you're playing a character for an animated thing. Those are two very different things. And for both of them, if you're interested in developing those skills, like I said, download some scripts, some copy from the internet, Yes. Uh, a monologue, a commercial, get yourself a microphone. Doesn't have to be super expensive. Get yourself some shareware, yep. simple audio recording software. You guys are so lucky because when I was a kid, none of this existed. Totally. You couldn't do things like this in your room. You had to rent a recording studio, but you could go to, go to Walmart. You could go to Guitar Center and get a, a decent mic for not a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Plug it into your computer, USB, plug it in, and you can download shareware, any number of recording software, and read that copy and try to communicate the emotion of the copy and then listen to it back. Or better yet, 
have your friends listen to it back. Get a third party perspective on, are you feeling what I'm trying to communicate here? That's one of the easiest ways to, to hone your skills in, in voice work. That is such a good piece of advice. I think, I hope that everybody really heard that and listened. The way to hone the skills is you do it in the environment as close to the real environment as possible. You have a microphone in front of you, you listen to yourself and get feedback and then keep, just keep working on it. And you know, the beautiful thing is that you don't need anybody to do that. Yep. You can do that on your own. I want to learn to play volleyball. Guess what? I need some people. I need some people to bump the ball to me or to spike the ball and I try to return it or to set the ball. You need other people to learn some things. Mm -hmm. You need no one to learn this. You can do it alone in your room with your laptop. And I tell you, you know what else? There are, there are also mechanical ways to speak into a microphone. Tell us about if that. You, if you put headphones on and you speak into a very sensitive microphone, you will hear your lips smacking. You will hear clicks in your voice. You will hear peas popping because your, your plosives, your, the, the consonant hit too hard. When you say something sibilant, your S's may whistle a little bit. There is a whole separate element to voice acting that is mic technique. Knowing how not to pop your P's or for your S's to be too sibilant or to be aware of the natural sounds that you don't even hear when you just talk to somebody. But when you put, when you put a thousand dollar microphone in front of your mouth and then you put on headphones, you're like, oh my God, I can actually literally hear the air coming in through my nose. Like yeah, it is very revealing. There are some voice actors I know who engineers loathe because they have so many little clicks and pops in their voice and the engineers have to clean all that stuff out. They have to go into the wave on the screen, zoom in real close and find that spike, which is the click and delete it. Other voice actors who, you know, you drink water, you keep your mouth lubricated and you, you learn how to work the microphone. So if you know you're going to talk loud, you don't do it right into the mic. You go off mic just a little bit. You angle your voice off just a little bit, you know, so you, you learn how to work the microphone to make it easier on the engineer. Vic, what's the most challenging part of the job? And then on the flip side, what's your favorite part of the job? The most challenging part of the job is that it, depending on the type of work you do, it can really take its toll on your voice. Hmm. I, uh, as you mentioned in the intro, I do a lot of music work. I've been singing playing the piano, recording, producing records for myself and for others for 30 years, 35 years. And because of all the voice acting I've done, specifically yelling, fighting, video games where you're yelling, that takes its toll on your voice after a while. Uh, I used to be able to sing a lot higher than I can now because the years of, of fighting, voice acting, yelling has taken a couple of notes off my, my high range. So that's the downside is that it, it can be potentially damaging after a while to the voice. The upside of voice acting is my favorite part of voice acting is that you get to play characters that you would never get cast as in a theater presentation or a movie. 
Uh, let's take Full Metal Alchemist, for example. Again, my character is a 14, 15-year-old kid. Well, if there's a Full Metal Alchemist movie, guess who ain't going to be casted? <laughs> who ain't going to be cast as that kid? You're going to get the boot, Vic. I'm going to, maybe I'll play his dad. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. but, but, you know, and then I, you know, of the hundreds of characters I've played, I've played demons, I've played little kids, I've played old men, I've played giant monsters, I've played creepy, nerdy people, I've played homicidal maniacs, I've played Iron Man, Captain America, like, I mean, it could be anything. And one of the most fun things about voice acting is you're not limited by your physical appearance. Yeah. So it seems like kind of going back a little bit to the beginning of your story and how you got involved in voice acting, you, you know, a friend told you to audition and you made the right connection. And then that led to the next job and the next job. So it really seems like landing that first job is important. And a big part of that comes from networking and who, you know, how would you network your way into that first job without coming across as annoying or desperate? What advice would you give? You know, that's a really, what you, the last thing you just said there is, is really significant. There is such a fine line between the old adage, the squeaky wheel gets the grease and being annoying. Yes. There's a very, very fine line between pushing enough to be remembered pushing enough to stay in the forefront of somebody's mind and pushing too hard where the person's like, oh my gosh, guy just won't leave me alone. That is a fine line. And I, I, I will tell you that after 20 years, I still don't think I've got that line nailed. I, mm. I don't. Because somebody will say to me, hey, man, I want to work with you sometime. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, this is great. I want to work with this guy. And I'll write myself a note and I'll, I'll text or call them a week later and I'll leave them a message and I won't hear back. Then I have to think, are they very busy? Did they not see the text? Or did they not really mean it when they said they wanted to work with me? You know, you, you don't know. Right. So maybe a few days later, I'll drop them another message and say, hey, just wanted to follow up, see how you're doing. At what point do you think to yourself, I shouldn't message again, or I, you know, I, I don't want to be come across as annoying. Some people, Jameson, especially artists, especially people in artistic fields are flakes. What? I know. Newsflash, right? They're flaky people who literally out of sight, out of mind. They do not return calls in a timely manner. They don't uh, even think of the simple courtesy of saying, thanks for your message. I'm swamped right now, but I'll get back to you. They ju you just don't hear from them. And as an actor, you're left wondering, did they even mean it when they said they wanted to work together? Or did they... Did they miss my text message or are they purposefully ignoring me or are they too busy? Like you can never know that those are, those are things that are as different as every human being is. You can never really know. So finding that balance between staying in touch with people and following up on leads and pursuing opportunities, the, 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 the line between that and being a nuisance is really a tough one to find. Yeah. I don't, so, again, I don't think there's like an equation. I don't think there's a mathematical equation, but I will tell you this. When I started voice acting, the anime industry was very small. 
Hmm. I was very, very lucky, or I should say blessed. I was very fortunate that I got involved when it was still very small. Now the industry has exploded to the point where there are thousands of people out there that would give anything to get a chance to do this, which means there's a lot more competition. Now, on the good side, there are a lot more opportunities because more content is being made. So there's more opportunity. And number two, even more significantly, there are lots of places on the internet that you can find places to audition, to submit voice demos. Those things didn't really exist when I started. I like went into a studio and auditioned in person for a director. But nowadays, there are places like Voice123 and Voice Bank and all these different places where people that are trying to cast productions will go to receive, accept auditions. Yeah. There are opportunities out there. And the last and probably most significant thing I would say to anybody is the one thing you may need more than anything else is determination. Yes. Yes, you need a microphone. Yes, you need software to record. Yes, you need to develop your skills as an actor and you need to become familiar with your voice. What can you make your voice do? But none of that matters if you give up easily. If you're the kind of person who goes, oh my gosh, I sent in four auditions and nobody hired me. I suck. This isn't for me. I'm quitting. I'm no good at this. Well, you're probably never going to get an opportunity. And that fifth one might've been the one that you landed, but you gave up on the fourth one. So what I've told people a lot over the years is tenacity, not giving up easily, not getting discouraged easily is an incredibly important point in any creative field. There are singers that you know, if I were to name their names, they are world famous pop singers. And for the first 10 years of their career, singing in bars and dives and dumps, people told them they weren't that great, they would never amount to anything, but they just kept going. And suddenly, They sang a song and the right person heard them at the right time with the right song and it became a hit and they became a household name. And it was, and it was all because they didn't give up. It was all because they didn't get discouraged so easily when somebody said, oh my gosh, you got no future in this kid. What do you, what do you think you're doing? You know what I mean? Yep. That's an incredibly important part. That really is the secret sauce to not just creative work, but especially in creative work is that determination. You can't, you can't get too down on yourself. You can't get discouraged. It's going to work out. You just keep on at it. You keep on honing your skills and the chips are going to fall where they may. And you just got to be, learn to be, okay, I'm okay with that. And I'm going to keep on pursuing this dream or pursuing this job or pursuing whatever it is that you care about. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, I would be so remiss. Good. I would be remiss, Jameson, if I didn't yeah. tell your audience, you need to be responsible. Yes. And wise in the way you approach any creative field. If you want to get into a creative industry, good for you. God bless you. If you have a talent and a passion and a skill and you want to do this thing, by golly, you do it and you push and push and push. But you still have bills to pay. Yep. You still 
have responsibilities as an adult. So what you need to do is you need to balance finding work that's predictable, that you can make a certain amount per week to pay your bills, your rent, your car payment, your electricity, and then in your free time, work on, on pursuing your real passion. Yes. I, I know a lot of people, Jameson, over the years who've said, I'm going to move to Dallas and be a voice actor. And I was like, well, that's really not realistic because number one, there are already hundreds of people living in Dallas who are trying to get into voice acting. The studios are not waiting for you to show up, right? <laughs> and secondly, as we talked about earlier, even if you move to Dallas and got cast in a show, it's not going to be enough money to live full-time. Yep. It's not going to be a full-time paying gig, most likely, which means you're going to have to have other ways to supplement your income to pay your bills. So I would encourage anybody out there who has a passion for any, any creative field, pursue it, follow your passion, but be realistic. Yeah. Balancing those two things. I love it's that. Very good thing. I, I know somebody uh, I won't name, but I know somebody who, who works full time in a restaurant, mm -hmm. but they have a great dream of being a voice actor and they're taking voice acting classes and they're looking for opportunities on the internet to, to perfect their skills and to get an opportunity. In fact, I'm getting ready to direct uh, an animated series that I plan to bring them in for. That's awesome. Because they're good, at, they're good at it and they have a passion for it, but they're approaching it as an adult. Yeah, I love it. And, and I'll say one more thing to that and then we'll, we'll move on to the next thing. But sure. um, I'm currently living that, you know, I'm working on this as a side project and I've worked a lot of jobs throughout my 20s and I've learned that that really really is okay. You know, if you, it might, a listener might hear, you know, you say that and be like, well, yeah, I mean, you made it. It's easy for you to say, but I know that you've lived that and I'm currently living that. And it really, like, if I could tell my 18 year old self or my 16 year old self, Jameson, it really is okay to work a, a normal, even a dead end job yeah. and pursue what you actually care about on the side. In fact, you might find that there's more balance in that for you than going for the safe, secure job that pays 80 K a year and makes you miserable because you don't yeah, have time for any the life out of you. Yeah, exactly. And so exactly. know yourself and know that you have permission. That's okay. And that it is really so, is a good way to live. That is so true. Jameson, you know what, when I was your age, I've done so many different jobs. Okay, when I got out of school, let me just throw some at you. <laughs> I've, I've worked at a carnival, built homes. I've been a construction worker. Mm -hmm. I drove a chauffeur, a, a tack, a, excuse me, a, a limo. I was mm -hmm. a chauffeur. I was a greenskeeper at a golf course. I delivered newspapers. I worked at a shoe store. I worked at Pizza Hut. I taught video and audio production at the Art Institute of Houston. I've done tons of different jobs that did not come close to any of my passions or my talents. Yes. But they were a means to an end. So any of you out there that are thinking, well, yeah, you know, he, he sure he can say that now. Yeah, I can say it now, but I couldn't say it when I was your age. Yeah. I had no idea what the future was going to hold. I've been a police officer. No way. I was a police officer. I was a school teacher. <laughs> I taught junior English. One year out of college, I uh, 
I, I've done so many different things that were not a career move at all, but they were a means to an end. Yes. So don't, don't beat yourself up or think that you're somehow betraying your dreams by taking a job that is not necessarily your career dream job. Yeah. And I will tell you something else. You just mentioned something, Jameson, that I always tell uh, fans when I do Q&A sessions. Find things that you have a passion for and look for a way to do them. And I'm not talking about even necessarily artistic things. Yeah. Don't think that I'm just talking about singing or acting or dancing or writing or performing or painting or whatever. I'm talking about anything that gives you joy. I'll give you an example. I love vacuuming the I like vacuuming. You know why, Jameson? Why do you like I vacuuming? I love seeing those little, those little teeth you can make, you know, the, 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 on the carpet when you go back and forth. Or mowing a lawn and looking behind you and seeing that cool line that you just cut and, and trying to line that lawnmower up just so it's overlapping where you just cut your next line. That's so stupid. But guess what? It's Brings fun. your joy. Yep. Yes, I enjoy that. So my point is, if you like plumbing, if you enjoy working on engines, if you like planting planting uh, plants and flowers, I mean, it doesn't have to be some glamorous superstar kind of a thing. If there are things in your life that you enjoy, look for ways to get to do those things professionally. And then even if you can't do them professionally for now, look for ways to incorporate them into your recreational life because they'll bring more joy to your life. I love it. I've been acting since I was 10 and it wasn't because people paid me to. I've been singing since I was six and it wasn't because I was paid to. It was because I loved it. And I'm going to keep doing those things until I die, whether people pay me or not, because I enjoy them. So if there are things in your life that you enjoy, look for ways to do them. And if you're, if you're lucky enough to get the chance to do them, whatever they are professionally and get paid, that's just an extra bonus. I so love it, Vic. Well, we have covered so much ground. Honestly, I wish you could see my, my notes because it, you would answer a question before I even got to it. So it was so perfect. Um, I'm sorry, do you, sorry do you have, about that. No, no, it was perfect. Uh, do you have time for like two more quick ones? Absolutely. And if okay. you have questions from any of your your viewers, let me Yeah, know. yeah. So a good friend of mine um, is an anime fanatic. And uh, when he realized all the voices you had done, he was like, oh my, he was super excited. So um, this question, you've probably gotten this question before, but uh, it's, it's still fun to get. What role did you most enjoy playing? Of all of the, um, of all of the characters that I've played over the years, I think probably Ed in Full Metal, my, my favorite for several reasons. Number one, because the story and the character were so compelling. And I just, I just loved the, the themes and the story. The other actors did such a wonderful job. Hmm. Also, I, I loved my character being kind of a flawed hero. You know, he was a broken, flawed hero, but he, he would fail, but he would get back up and move forward and press toward a goal. And um, I always wanted a little brother and my character in the show had a little brother. So I kind of got to vicariously have a little brother for, for the time that we recorded that show. Um, I have always enjoyed something about every character I play. Yeah. I think it's important as an actor to find something you like about every character you play, um, something that connects with you. But Full Metal was probably the favorite thing that I've done. I love it. 
Uh, one more just kind of fun one. Do you have any funny on the job stories, whether they're at a convention or in the in the recording booth? Oh, dude, that's a whole nother, a whole nother show. <laughs> could probably fill up a whole podcast yeah, with funny you, when stories. You, when you do it as long as I've done it, there are <laughs> tons of those kind of stories. Yeah. I'm sure you um, get a lot of a lot of fans come up and uh they either want you to do a voice or they're like, hey, I've been working on my you know, Ed voice. Can, can I try it for you? You know, I'm sure you get a Oh yeah. I, and I, and you know what? I find that incredibly flattering and humble because when I was little, I tried to imitate characters from Speed Racer. Yep. And, <laughs> and Marvin the Martian and Yoda and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's incredibly humbling when fans come up to me and go, Hey, you want to hear my best, you know, want to hear my Broly impression or this is my <laughs> impression of so, so-and-so from a character from a, role you uh, a show you've been in i i've been incredibly blessed um when i started voice acting i didn't even i didn't even think it would ever amount to anything i had no expectations and over the years when i've gone to events and i walk into a room and there are a thousand people in the room mm-hmm. you know and fans of my work and i'll go to my autograph table and there'll be a couple hundred people lined up i i never it never gets what's the word i'm looking for I never take it for granted. I, I it, it never becomes commonplace to me. I'm always so enormously grateful that not only did I get to the chance to do it, but that people enjoyed it mm-hmm. enough. And in many cases, uh, it inspired them and encouraged them. Let's bring this full circle in much the same way Star Trek <laughs> inspired me. It's It's incredibly humbling to think that I might have had the opportunity to inspire and encourage people to, uh, to pursue a particular vocation or a particular career because of something I did in exactly the same way that when I was nine and 10 and 12 and 13 years old, watching Star Trek inspired me to start doing the things that I do now professionally. I'm very humbled, very, very honored by that. I can't think of a better place to end the podcast than right there. One last thing, Vic, is there any uh, project you want to plug or promote or where, where can people find well, you these days? Yeah, well, definitely follow me on Twitter. If you, okay. if you don't follow me on Twitter, please follow at Vic Mignogna. Okay. I do a lot of appearances uh, around the country, convention appearances, autograph signings. In fact, tomorrow I'm leaving for Boston. All right. I'll be doing an autograph signing. I'll be doing a convention appearance uh, called Super Mega Fest. Super fun. How could it not be awesome with a name like that, right? Uh, The following weekend, I'll be doing a signing in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, I'm working on some audio books right now. I've got a few audio books that are on. I know. I was going to ask you about those, but I'll ask you in person next time I see you. (laughs) Um, uh, There are three audio books that are currently on Audible. One's called These of the Voyages, which is ironically the story of the making of the original series of Star Trek. And I got to do the audio book. That was fun. Awesome. The uh, second book is called In Plain Sight by Dan Willis. Great story. And the third one is an amazing fantasy novel called The Crimson Spark by William Hastings. All three of those are currently available on on, uh, Audible. And then I'm in the middle right now. That's why I've got this all set up to swing right over here. Um, I'm recording a fourth book called Paper Doll. I'm about halfway through that book right now. I'm working on some music projects and uh, 
Um, my Star Trek series, shameless plug, StarTrekContinues.com. We created 11 full-length episodes that pick up where the original Star Trek series was canceled. Yep. And finishes the five-year mission of the Enterprise and leaves everybody where they were when the motion picture began. So it perfectly fills that space. And you, buddy. Yeah. I know you're only on the second episode. I am. I'm, I'm planning on finishing it. Can I yes. just say something? The third episode is an exponential jump. And then from that point on, they just get better and better and better. Good. So everybody out there, check that out. Tell your parents and your family and friends about Star Trek Continues. It's all free to watch. StarTrekContinues.com. It's on uh, YouTube and also on your website, is yes. right? Yeah, okay. And it's and also the, the people that own the studio that we built, the full recreation of the original sets of Star Trek is called Neutral Zone Studios. And one weekend every month, they open the studios to let people walk through the sets. Oh, how fun. Take pictures standing on the transporter chamber or sitting in the captain's chair on the bridge or walking through all the sets. If you go to neutralzonestudios.com, you will see a sign-up sheet for a weekend in December, January, February, March. And I go down there myself every one of those weekends and I, I conduct the uh, walkthroughs personally because I kind of was in charge of building the sets and, and shooting our series there. So blast. I tell people all about how did we build this and where did you get that? And how did you know about that? And how did you make this? So check out Neutral Zone Studios uh, if you're interested in maybe visiting our, our stages. Perfect. Vic, I had so much fun talking to you. Thanks for being here. My on. pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to the What's That Job Like podcast. Two quick things. One, please subscribe and review the show. It takes less than a minute and it does a ton to help. Two, I would love your feedback. Is there a certain career you want to hear from, a question you'd like me to ask my guests, or anything else? Let me know. My email is jameson at whatsthatjoblike.com. Again, that's J-A-M-E-S-O-N at whatsthatjoblike.com. That is also where you can email me if you are interested in being a guest on my show. I am rapidly trying to get hundreds of interviews because I think that's how this whole project will come together and help as many people as possible. So again, please subscribe and I'll catch you next time.